All right, got my recording things going. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us on the Fantasy Golf Bike Podcast. We are doing this through Twitter Spaces as well, so kind of a dual thing that we've got going on. So if you're joining us on Twitter Spaces, thank you. And if you're listening to us on the playback or on our podcast, thank you as well. We're going to be talking about the American Express this week in our podcast, what Drew and I like to do. We give you as good a place as what we come up with from our models that we have on Fantasy Golf Bag and give you a little bit of a recap. We do it all in just about 30 minutes. Last week, we did it in just over 30 minutes Did our recap at five. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into the recap. This is how I start off. I take one player from the previous week. I turn to Drew and I say, Drew, how worried are you? Last week, I did Colin Morikawa uh, after he obviously didn't pull through at the Tournament of Champions. And this week, I'm going to ask him about Jordan Spieth. We saw him get out to the first round lead at the Sony Open, only to pull a full Keegan, Drew. Are we updating the name? Is it now going to be called the full Jordan, a full Jordo? What, where are we going with this? And how worried are you about Spieth going forward? I don't think we can update the name. I think uh, I don't really have an equivalent for other sports, but um, yeah, I think it still has to be the full Keegan. But uh, I, I, I he can be bestowed upon him um, a couple times. So he does get one. Yeah, I'm not too concerned um, in the long term. The short term definitely is uh, I'm more concerned about that than the Morikawa from the tournament champion. So I think the way the way he basically lost control. I mean, it was it was uh, not something you want to see from a top priced and a top level guy. Uh, what I would want to see is you know riding the ship, maybe a little bit like Morikawa, like you can kind of um, bring it back home a bit. And he just completely went south. Like you would think in that position, you'd be able to get it home to at least make the cut. Yep. And then maybe, you know, post a 65 or something over the weekend and, and maybe get back into it. Um, but the way he essentially just made mistake after mistake and compounded mistakes, I'm not a big fan of that. So again, long term, I don't I don't think this is like scar tissue for him. I, he probably was happy to go home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, yep. But um it, it is, it is a bit concerning the way he essentially just completely spit the bit and compounded his errors one after another. Yeah, disappointing to see, especially from a, a top price guy. You know, it, it's one thing if he was 8,300 or whatever he was at the Tournament of Champions. Yeah. But he was 10-1 and the anchor of a lot of lineups. And certainly if he gets through, uh, much better chance. So also very disappointed there. Uh, last, next point I want to talk about was Siwoo Kim. Uh, going into Sunday, Drew, he's really the only proven winner on the leaderboard was a plus 850 number. I know some people around the industry got it. Um, you brought him up prior to the week, but still, I think there's a, a maybe a broader indication I wanted to bring up with you. It's, it's of course, a little hard to peg yeah. golf, but being the only proven winner going into Sunday certainly seems to have proven off a couple of times over the last uh, year or two. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I know the narrative was the players, uh, what, 8 out of 10 or whatever it was, had won the week prior or had uh, played at the Tournament of Champions. Yep. Maybe it's something with um, prior winners winning at the Sony Open. It seems like that's maybe closer to what we see here every week um, yep. or every year. So, yeah, I think I think there is a lot to be said for these guys. If it's their, their first time out um, trying to get it done, it's tough. I think uh, Buckley did a very good job for the most part. I was, I was very surprised. I pulled up uh, stats from from last year and he finished final round 65 and I was like, well, he can use a little bit of that for, for today's final round being on Sunday. Yep. And, um, he did a very good job hanging in there and he really kind of got snake bit by, by Siwoo chipping in and then being able to get up and down or, or hit a really good shot out of the bunker on 18 to, um, to make a birdie to beat him by one. But 
I do think there is something to be said for guys that have been there before. It's easier for them to to finish it off. There's less pressure probably, um, but there's a lot of components. It's uh, I think that's probably a narrative maybe we look at next year. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, last note I wanted to bring up, which kind of goes into this week a little bit, uh, is I was watching the, the telecast or afterwards, uh, I should say. I watched the telecast and then a little bit afterwards. Johnson Wagner, first of all, he's on the Golf Channel now. I, I don't know if you've been able to watch him or not, Drew, but – He's got his full mustache going on. It's pretty great. Um, I enjoy listening to him, and he's pretty knowledgeable, obviously. He was a good player in his own right, really good player. Uh, he seems to believe that Siwoo Kim is, is a total Bermuda specialist. You know, the win at Sedgefield, the win at the, the players, obviously, at Sawgrass when it was that. So what do you make of that? Uh, do you buy into that theory? Obviously, we know for certain golfers it, it does help, but uh, what do you buy into the full theory of, it, of a guy being a specialist on one type of grass? I think I think a relative specialist is probably better, and what I mean by that is I think Bermuda is probably the biggest um, differentiator between some guys being able to putt well on those weeks versus any other surface. Um, Bermuda, and you you're from Florida as well. Uh, it doesn't matter how low you cut it and roll it. The 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 it, the grain in Bermuda is just ridiculous, and some guys handle it a lot better than others coming from up north. Yep. Uh, and it, so it does seem. I mean, I would never count them out of a. Bermuda tournament or a, uh, a big grass tournament, but uh, for sure, I think Bermuda has a lot more skill involved than any of the other surfaces. I think Poe is more uh, luck based to a degree, and then I do think Ben is probably the truest form. So yeah, I yeah. do think I do think there's an actual um, reason behind his success at Bermuda. And again, I think it's relative to the field. He's just he's just better. He can be better on that surface versus the field and other surfaces. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and. Uh... Have, have this exact same philosophy. You know, I grew up up north, you know, playing mostly Bent, mostly Poa. And, you know, I come down here and it's a totally different game around the green and, and on the green. It's on the green, it's it's mostly grain that you have to read. Uh, and Bent, obviously, like you just said, it runs probably the truest out of all of them. So just different styles. Uh, definitely think it matters. But these guys are so good, they should figure it out. You know, I've been down here for like six years and you know, I'm, I'm my same handicap as I was up there. So I guess I figured out the greens enough to maintain my level of play, which by all means is not that great, uh, but not that bad either, I guess. Okay, stop, uh, top statistical standouts from last week that are playing this week and I think are relevant. I wanted to bring up with you. Uh, David Lipsky and Davis Thompson both uh, hit over 50% of their approach shots last week on the positive side um, and maybe on the negative side. A lot of buzz around this Taiga Semikawa guy. He completely lost his irons on Sunday. I think uh, he had 13 bad shots. Maybe just go into the bad shot, good shot thing really quickly. Drew, you busted that out this past weekend for our showdown stuff. Yeah, so pretty cool enhancement slash simplification. Um, so what we do with some of the approach stats is obviously it's broken out by different categories of strokes gained per shot. So like, you know, 0.25 or gaining 0.5. But a lot of people don't know what that means. So what I did, I, I, I tagged up with um, Skylar Hope. So shout out to Sky Hope on the side. And uh, we found out what the 75th percentile good shot is and what the 75th percentile bad shot is. And basically now we just summarize it and see how many guys, how many shots a player hit that was technically good and technically bad. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier for you to digest, I think. It's like, to me, even myself, I mean, like the number is a number, but like seeing... You know, hey, he hit um, 
I don't know, we'll say 15% of his shots, he gained over 0.25. So, okay, what does that mean? Well, then I see like, oh, he hit seven good shots versus three bad shots. Now that makes sense. Makes yep. a little bit more sense. So, um, yeah, just a way to simplify it. And, again, it's it's using the actual um, baseline from the PGA Tour that the 75th percentile for all good and the low, you know, negative 75th percentile for the bad shots. So, overall pretty easy, but a way to simplify. And just, I think it's easy for you to talk golf, right? Just, uh, hey, he hit... He hit, uh, we could probably do a percentage, but you could say he hit 70% of his iron shots good <laughs> versus yeah. hit Yeah, hit 14 of 18 approach shots really good. And, yeah. and I think that's really useful in showdown stuff. Um, now, again, on a day-to-day basis, we all know that anybody could go out and do it. But typically, uh, one will lead to the other, especially if they have a baseline of being pretty good in that specific statistic or yardage. So, all right, let's get into the Amex now. Um We'll talk about Lipsky and Thompson and Semikawa in these uh, next couple of bits. So, yeah, Max, uh, three days for each golfer over three courses. All the courses are roughly 7,100 yards. All have four par fives on them. It's going to be like a seven or eight undercut. It comes on Saturday night. It is still the top 65 ties. Uh, we're going to get like a 2,500 winner roughly. We do have 156 players. But some really good ones, five of the top 10 and 10 of the top 20. With the rotation, one last thing is we're going to go from La Quinta to Nicholas to PGA and vice versa of that. So if you start on PGA, you're going to La Quinta to Nicholas and Nicholas to PGA La Quinta. That's important for showdown purposes because La Quinta and uh, Nicholas are much easier. Now, if you guys read uh, some other stuff, you'll already know that. But what you might not know is 50% of the approach shots, at least at PGA West, and most of the time at Nicholas and Lakita are going to come from under 100 yards or over 225 yards. So, Drew, we got a big time wedge fest on our hands this week, which typically ends up turning out to be a big time putting fest and a putting contest. John Rama is notorious for saying that about this event during the event. Uh, I don't know if you remember that little uh, sound bit he gave us a couple of years ago. Absolutely. Last year. Yeah, was it last year? I remember it was it was really recently where he just kind of went off the handle. Yeah, yeah, that was last year. <laughs> so Wedge Fest, which ends up being a putter fest. Tell me a couple of golfers. Uh you tweeted out a, a nice graphic earlier today about some guys that can light it up with the putter, getting at least a stroke and a half per round. Is that correct? Uh, one and a half strokes per round, yeah. Yep. And how often they did it. Um, so yeah, I'll pull up. I'll pull up the list. I actually just ran it off of um, two strokes just to get an idea. But yeah, the uh, the tweet is on my profile. You can go; it's one of the top ones. But I actually I refreshed it and I pulled up um, percentage of two two strokes putting per round and how often they've done it. Obviously, I'll give you a couple names, which a couple might be surprising and okay. a couple may not be may not be as Taylor Montgomery. So almost thirty three percent of his rounds, he's gaining That's over ridiculous. two strokes putting. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so, and again, it's. <laughs> And again, just to put context to that tweet, it's it's going to be a putting contest. We know yep. that. And I just, you know, just looking at how these guys performed as a winner and obviously finishing in the top 10, there's slightly different ways you can get it done. They still got to hit the ball well. So I'm not saying like, oh, just focus on putting, but you got to have upside putting, which is the difference maker. Yep. Um, John Rom was tops. He was number one in 1.5 strokes putting per round at like 30, 33 or 38%. It was pretty high, I think. Yeah, actually, then, I think um, he just climbed over 40%. He was one, him and okay, Harry Roll. Yeah. 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 
And then at two two strokes, it was 28%. Um, the next one is Sam Burns, which is kind of surprising. Uh, then it's Bo Hostler, Harry Hall, Alan Tarrant, guys that you wouldn't think of from a ball striking model perspective, but the putter can get hot. So if you're looking for a value, those might be the guys that you throw in there and get them really low owned. Then it's Troy Merritt, Andrew Putnam, who's done well here, and um, Brendan Todd, who's also not shy to make a few putts. But yeah, the tweet has, I think, the top 40 guys uh, or top 30 guys, something like that. In 1.5 strokes and how often they achieve that per round, which is um, really interesting. Obviously, the really low, the low end is probably guys you want to stay away from. Again, it's just an upside thing. Right, exactly. And we all know that uh, us that play golf, we, anybody can get hot with their putter at any time. Uh, so now we'll talk about a couple of guys that have been really good with their wedges and or Good from that, say, 225 to 275-yard bucket that a lot of these par-5 approaches are going to be on. So a couple of names, and, and this is the first name I want to start off with. It's, it's really good. Xander Schauffele is number one when you put all three of those yardages together over the last 10 tournaments. But he's injured. So where do you stand? He's obviously thinks he's good enough to play in this event, but we took a really cautious approach at uh, Kapalua. It paid off for you and I. Should we take the same approach here, or are you ready to play him? I think the field's strong enough. It's not It's not necessarily a play, at least for me. Um, I, I pulled up, so we have a sheet called the Super Prox, which is like a course fit sheet, which is really interesting. Um, it basically breaks out the yards. Obviously, this week with um, two of the courses not having strokes gain and not having uh, laser data, it makes it a little bit more tricky. So yep. I would point to Jason's proximity numbers there uh we pulled a lot from or at least what i pulled a lot from 150 to 175 um the couple of the names that we've talked about recently i'll just kind of swerve back here for a second yeah um tom hoagie is a guy that you know looks so people kind of faded off of last week's perform or going to the national championship i think he's back in play he's very cheap relative to how well he's been playing um another one is uh stewart sink which is surprising but so again, it's a course fit model. It's just looking at approaches. You would want to look at uh, driving and stuff like that as well. But that's where the Siwoo Kim number came from last week. He was number two, I think, in the sheet. He's again tip tops yep. <laughs> this week. No surprise. Um, but yeah, you'll see a, a nice host of players. I mean, Ben Griffin, um, Adam Hadwin shows up, Cage Lee, Tom Hoagie, a lot of guys that you've been playing recently. So I think that's the thing. But to circle back again to Xander, to me, it's not really a play. Um, He's obviously here. He's going to try to tee it up. The, the field's so strong. It's not like if it was last week and he was playing, and then your next choice is some jam, and then the next choice is Tom Ogie. Okay, I'm probably giving Xander a try. Yep. It's so strong here, and I don't see a need. Right. What's the likelihood, uh, I guess, and, and I even brought this up last week as saying, hey, you play Jordan Spieth because the guys around him could miss the cut. Will they did right. end up missing the cut? This week, what's the likelihood of a Cantlay, Finau, Scheffler, Rom missing the cut? Very, very, very unlikely. So, yes. um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you on the waiting. I'm okay with that. Just a couple of names on the on the proximity numbers that uh, I got from the F FGB model. Of course, also everything that we have talked about, that super prox model, all that is part of our FGB, our Fantasy Golf Bag Premium Package, uh, just $5 a week. So, Come on and check it out. Check out the data that we have uh, and, of course, the, the picks that we give from that data. So a couple of names. Andrew Novak uh, is played pretty decently in his limited starts. Russell Knox, uh, I know that you were interested in last week. He looks like he's been pretty good. And you mentioned Andrew Putnam already, and he put out a tweet earlier, said that every time he lands down in 
Palm Springs. He just gets a really good feeling. Again, I'm not saying that's going to translate into good success, but he has been pretty consistent here, as has Adam Hadwin. So how much stock do you put in that, and do you like either of the other names that I mentioned? Yeah, it's, it's kind of bizarre because I don't have Hadwin's um, form pulled up here. I'll pull it up. Course form or? Hadwin's been playing um, recent form. Recent form. So okay, like, yeah. he hasn't played since the Houston Open, so it's like we don't have much to go off of, which for me, when you first start the beginning of the calendar year, I'm not always eager to go back to that. But even with that being said, when I saw Adam Hadwin pop up here, um, same with Andrew Putnam, it's almost kind of like the chicken and the egg theory. Like, is these <laughs> are these the actual proximities they play best at? And that's why they've had success here. Success here, yeah. Or, this could be, you know, yeah. has the success here led to really good numbers that we include? There's a lot that goes into it. So, yep. I, I don't know. Hadwin obviously has great course history, but I really do hate, and that's probably one of my leaks, is – Someone, if you have data from these guys last week and the week before, I'm more eager to play them than having some guy come in after three months or two months off, three months off almost. Um, even though that's probably very short-sighted because these guys don't just hang up the clubs and then show up. But uh, yeah, for me, the, the course history is great, but I'll probably look elsewhere. Like, like for me, Hoagie's 200 above him. We've seen what he's done the last two weeks. That's an easy, that's an easy play for me. And if you want to talk about course history, I mean – how can you not mention Hoagie? You know, two and six in, in two of the last three years. Now there's a miscut mixed in there as well. But you know, coming, I like those. Yeah, I mean, I like the two four over the MC. Yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the upside. Here's the thing: it was kind of before Tom Hoagie broke out, right? I mean, we, he was always pretty good statistically, and then finally got it together. You know, last year we saw what what good of a player he really can be. Um, no doubt about it. Nick Taylor played pretty good last week. Also mm-hmm. uh, makes him pop up, has a couple of good starts here. Um, let's see, you already mentioned Stuart Sink. How about Michael Thompson, the bearded wonder man over there? Uh, is he going to make any lineups for you this week? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. I think I have enough other options I can go to. Maybe your boy Carl Yuan I'll go back to. Yeah, Carl Yuan. Um that's an interesting one. He did. He had, he had so many different streaks. I don't know if you've checked out his scorecard or had a minute or two to check it out. It's pretty ridiculous. He's got like four birdies in a row. We'll throw a bogey, you know, throw three bogeys in a four-hole stretch. Just crazy. But, hey, it does add up to DFS points. I'm not going to lie. So uh, that's not bad. Okay, let's go give our uh, a couple of bets and then some early uh, DFS leans. Uh, that we're going to build around first. You know, like I said, we've gone over the statistical stuff. Now we'll get into a couple of the plays uh, that we've either taken from these statistical notes or just some some feelings uh, that we've seen. Speaking of hot putting, um, one thing that Justin Sue has done well since he's come back on tour and on the Corn Ferry Tour when he was down there last year was putt itch extremely well. Now we don't have a ton of data on him, so he's not going to show up in your stats yet, Drew, but – He's a guy that can break out. He went to Cal, so obviously familiar with the area. I, I love playing him here this week as one of those long shots. And what I've done is I've paired him up with Yuan, who we just talked about, and Austin Eckroat in a top 40 parlay. Now, those are, I know, a little different, mm. but uh, I could definitely be a little dangerous with those. I love targeting guys that are, say, around 250 uh, to be a top 40 and putting two or three of them together. But Justin Sue is my number one in that uh, category. Uh, have any quotes or comments about him? What was the name again? Justin Sue. Um, he came up early in the week. I don't have any particular thoughts on him. Um, I think 
Yeah, I don't have any thoughts on him. Okay. Uh, how about Austin Eckler? I'm not very impressed with um, his performance. So when I run a model for for betting, he's pretty low down on on potential probability to win, obviously. Yep. Um, but his performances lately have not been great. So I'm not very I'm not that interested to jump on the wagon just yet. He's I mean he's got he's got, he's what, got a wacky swing. Four. I don't know if you've seen it. It's not quite Matt Wolf, but it's getting close to Matt Wolf. And they were teammates after all in college. So I'm just interested yeah. to, you know, I, I think I don't know if he's the same pupil as uh who's who's Wolf's coach. I just forget what's the guy's name. Um, um now I'm gonna draw a blank. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up. But nonetheless, have you seen his swing? Let, let me start with that. Have you seen Ekro swing? I can't picture it, no. So I think I have, but I can't picture it, no. Uh, Gankus, like, um, by the way, Gankus, that's the name. I knew it was a George, and I wanted to say Severicus, but that's the guy from Golf Channel. So anyways, okay. Yeah, so so, yeah. so my issue with Ekro, so just look, I just pulled up his profile. So obviously he played well last week. Didn't yeah. do a lot spectacular. Um, but even prior to that in the fall, it's I would argue it's pretty weak fields and he's got a t64 54 60th miscut t38 miscut like the upside hasn't been great and again i can always switch he's he did pretty well in the corn ferry tour but it's it's a pretty top heavy field this week so it is. that's what that's what i meant by i'm not eager to jump on the wagon for like super cheap guys and yep. especially if they haven't showed upside of late like it, like there's some guys that are underpriced in my opinion that seven and eight k range that I don't want to. I don't want to get crazy. And this is a way stronger field than we've seen in years past. It used to be Cantley shows up or Rom, and that's yeah, maybe one of two, and they're going against Abraham Answer yeah. and Adam Long, right? Right. Yeah. And Adam Long. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, speaking so yeah, of, I just, that's just my mentality this week. Is there's some guys I just don't see the if they can't have. Then again, they can always turn around. But the upside in the fall swing, it's not there. I don't see a lot happening this week. Yeah, another maybe college tie, if you will. I mean, I don't know how close it is proximity-wise. I guess I could look it up while we're talking. But you've already tweeted about him this week, and this is the thing about jumping on numbers early. Your first tweet of the week after numbers came out was Sahith Tagala, 55-1. to 1. I think you found it on DraftKings, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, really good to get in there early. I think that number, at least on FanDuel, was down to 40-1. to 1. So. Pretty significant difference for you. Tell me what you like about Thagala. I like pretty much everything, but tell me what uh, – maybe it was just the number that excited you or maybe a little bit more. No, I mean, the upside is there. Uh, so the same point of Ekro, of a guy that I'm not that eager to get um, get behind, Sahith is a guy that shows a lot of upside. Uh, I think he had a handful of top tens last year when he came on the tour, and then in the fall he's played well with, I think, three top tens. So – Again, upside, it's a strong field, but I could see him contending in this type of event. Um, a low-scoring event, we've seen him get hot with the putter. He's a, he's a good enough ball striker. He drives it okay. Um, if anything, he gets a little bit squirrely, but these fairways aren't hard to hit. And usually the, the rough is so dormant, it's um, it's kind of a joke. Like we, we joked last year about some of the, the rough stats because it's the ball sits up. It's almost a better line than the fairway sometimes. So. Oh my God. I remember talking to you about this. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it, it may only be 60% fairways hit in regulation, but if you miss the fairway and you're close to it, you're within five yards. It's 
sometimes it's honest to God a better lie than what you get in the fairway. Especially with par fives, you try to launch something in there. So I saw that a few times. Guys, they weren't intentionally missing the fairway, but if they missed it, they'd have a better lie with the long iron. Right, they're like, ah, whatever, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so so, so he's my biggest flaw with him is if it's a really like accurate golf course, um, actually off the tee is important, I would probably shy away from him. But yeah. this course, I really feel like it sets him up. Like he can go low, make a bunch of birdies. Driving, he should be fine. Irons are good enough. Um, it's just a matter of having a good week. And honestly, um, he's cheap enough. The value was there at, what, 80 to 1, I think it was when it first hit. Um, yeah, I, I really do like, or I think it was 60 to 1. Yeah, I, and, I, I remember um, seeing like 55 or 60 to 1 is what you tweeted. Yeah, yeah. I think it was 60. So I, I really do like I do like the number um, right when it popped up because I was a guy I was expecting a little bit lower. Everyone else is so bunched up at the top. So yeah. that let's, was a good one. Let's talk about our two cams now I have written down because I am interested in this week. Cam Young at 21 to 1. We'll be heading to Saudi Arabia for the Saudi International. Him and Cam Champ and a couple of other PGA Tour players. Hopefully that's not an indication of what's to come. Nonetheless, uh, he's 21 to 1 and Cam Davis is 41 to 1. Uh, Cam Davis had a third place here a couple of years ago. And Cam Young, it's only a matter of time before he breaks through. So do you like him here or do you think he'll avenge his second place at the Genesis and win at a course like that? It could be both. Yeah, it could be. Once yeah, I like, doors I like are off, right? Um, it's just it's same point with the driving. I mean, you can bomb it, and there's there's really no penalty for missing fairways. So going low is uh, what is he like does. one of his specialties. Yep. And even at the British Open, when he shoot, he went super low. So um, yeah, I, I I'm behind all the camp. I made a lineup earlier. I was joking with some guys. I think it had a core of three Taylors. Things like Nick Taylor, Taylor Montgomery, etc. Yeah, and then the camps. The camps, yeah. <laughs> the camp, only camp, camp plus Taylor Square. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just again, it's a great course fit. Uh, numbers look good, and they can get off the putter, which is important. Um, when do you start to get nervous about the ownership with Cam Young? I, I, early steam, you know. I can't imagine he gets over twenty five percent, but. If if you're playing your single entry lineup with him in there, what what ownership do you get nervous about? Where where would you directly pivot off of him in that type of ownership? Uh, let's see, at ninety one hundred. Um, because we can also talk about something you and I have discussed a lot about ownership. Right? It's okay to put a twenty five percent owned guy in there sure. if right we find that low owned guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it drops your your uniqueness down pretty quickly. So yeah, I wouldn't be hesitant at his price. If it was higher price, then I feel like you're giving up some equity. Yep. Paying up with the ownership, like you're paying up and you're paying for more ownership, which doesn't make sense. So Cameron Young at ninety one hundred. Um, I mean twenty five percent, I'd be fine with thirty percent. Is probably it depends on what they're right around them, but I would probably max it at thirty percent. Anything above that, I probably fade. But um, I'm good with in cash. I probably wouldn't even care. Wouldn't care. Yeah. Yeah, if, if you're going that route. Um, okay, let's do a... Let's, I do have a question for you yeah, in terms yeah. of cash, which I was talking to a couple guys in the Discord, so uh, yeah. I wanted to kind of pick on them a bit. The uh, So we had a, a fancy golf bag member last week that pretty much had the optimal through Sunday. And I think he ended up finishing probably first or second in every cash, cash contest. Yep. Um, he did not enter that into a GPP. 
And I explained to him, why don't you just enter that into a GPP, at least take a chance at, you know, hundred X, mm-hmm. give, give yourself some upside. You just hand built your lineup. You put a lot of thought into it. Yep. Oh, well, cash lineup never wins. Well, I disagree, especially with golf. Maybe, you know, MLB makes sense. Football, probably right. But golf, what's your take? Cash lineup, you got to enter it into the GPP. It doesn't have to be the, the 15 or the $20 if you don't want to, but at least put it into something. Put it into something that gives you some more upside than doubling your money. So here's here's the way I look at it. Uh, if, if I'm playing cash or a cash lineup, it's my best lineup that I can put in there. And I want that lineup in every contest that I'm entering that week. I've, so I've an optimal. You can yeah. give it as an optimal lineup. For yep, you. exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's There's not a cash or a GPP. I try to get away from that stigma because I feel like you, you can fall into traps by saying, oh, well, you know, Justin Sue is not a cash play because he's 7,200 and, you know, he's unproven. Well, you know, if he ends up in the optimal this week, he's doesn't really matter where he plays. Now, that's just a random name that I threw out there. But would I play him in what I would consider my optimal lineup this week? Yeah, I wouldn't be against it if it fit for sure. So, yeah, um, I do think, yeah. I do think too, to the terminology, you're right. Because if, if I was building a quote unquote cash lineup, I would probably be more inclined to say, oh, all these guys are high on, but that's fine because it's cash. So you just have to eat the chalk. Well, if it's an optimal lineup, I'm thinking, you know, he's going to be high owned. I can probably pivot to this guy who has probably as much upside and I'm not going to get as much ownership. So an optimal thinking does switch off of that cash um, mentality of, well, you just have to eat all the chalk. Well, that's especially golf. We, everyone knows the volatility on the cheap guys, yep. but um, even the top guys, I mean, Tom Kim would have been cash locked last week and he missed the cut. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt bad for the guy. Um, he said he made a couple pivots with his other GP. And they were five of six, but a six of six would have just completely smashed. And who knows? I mean, you have your one hand build, you know, you you do well in cash, but maybe you you win something for like five thousand and that sets you up for the whole year Mm -hmm. and you're freewheeling. So you just you just man, if I'm hand building something, let me throw it into something I can hit on if uh if it just happens to be the nuts. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, e- even look at the single entry stuff, even just fo- focusing on that, exactly, which yeah. typically pays a little bit more than a large field GPP does in terms of the percentage of the field. And of course you're not going up against guys that are putting in 150. It's just guys that are putting in one lineup versus your one lineup. So uh, exactly. Again, yeah. yeah. So I want to throw that out there. Cause that was, Definitely. I was taken aback by that. But yeah, like I said, I, I think an MLB, obviously a cash lineup doesn't make sense. You'd have to hit every home run and it's just, Stacking is not the way, but you can't stack in golf. And um, I feel like the way to go is play it in everything. You, you hand build it, put the time in. Play it in everything you can. Yep, play it in everything yep. that you're playing in, 100%. So, all right, I think a uh, a really interesting range uh, is, and, and I want to have you rank them, and we're coming up on about a half hour. So that's typically like what we like to go. And then we'll turn to the audience, see if the audience has any questions before we go. But um, – I see Cam Young, we just talked about him, right? 9,100, but he's about 20 to 1 to win. But you got Cam Davis, who's $300 cheaper, but basically double the odds. So is that a situation where maybe you play Cam Young in DraftKings and take advantage of that good price, don't care about ownership, and maybe bet Cam Young at 40 to 1, or maybe just do both with both? Uh, I guess is what I'm asking. I just It's such a big disparity between guys that are only separated by 300 on the on the salary board. Yeah, again, for you, you're asking that from a betting side with DFS, like you're trying to see how you would pair them together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cameron Young, if I was making a GPP lineup, Cameron Young probably wouldn't go into the big GPP as the ownership because you can pivot down to any of these guys. Yep. Cam Davis is a great play. Talked about Sahith, and you're getting them for less than half the ownership. 
Um, that's the way to go for me. Even going back to Siwu, who's one year before, he, uh, we have him under 7%. So, yeah, um, it's that weird yeah, stigma. Right? would not be the play. Yeah, it, it's that weird stigma that people don't want to play. So, so I think what you're asking, though, is like, yeah, would, would you bet him and probably fade him in DFS? And that's probably the way I would go. Like, okay. I really do – like depending on the contest, and again, if he was doing an optimal build, maybe i play him and Cam Davis and see, you know, whoever it is. I'm not saying that I wouldn't do that. Um, but certainly in like the big GBPs, just the pivots around that, you could save some salary and you're cutting down the ownership so much. So um, it allows you to pay up for John Rom, who is, um, obviously there's a lot of good players in this field, but he's yeah. the one that I was really surprised with is putting. Uh, so I really do think he has probably the best chance of getting it done this week with the putter he's shown in the last like year. Yeah, that's the kind of the unfortunate part about Scheffler's game right now. That's the only part that's missing. Everything else looks pretty decent, but the putter yeah. just has not woken up yet. Finau, we know it's always an issue. Okay, so I'm going to give you two rankings. One, rank the top four guys in the field, Rom, Scheffler, Finau, and Cantlay, the way that you want to play them in DFS. And then the next four are going to be Wise, Cam Young, Taylor Montgomery, and Cam Davis. They're all priced right next to each other. You can pick either four first, uh, and then I'll do it after that. Okay. Um, I think for the top, it would definitely be paying up for Rom. Okay. And then it would be dropping down to Cantley. Unfortunately, they're both going to be pretty high owned. Yep. Um, and then, honestly, I do think Scheffler is probably ahead of Tony Fina for me yep. in this field. So that'd be the four. I'm perfectly aligned there. Um, I'm Rom Cantley, Scheffler, Finau. Uh, probably yep. pretty equal on the ownership. I don't know if I'll be that much difference between the four. Yeah, what, I don't mind spreading it out. I'm just saying yeah. Rom and Cantley will be more popular than Scheffler and Finau by a little bit. Yep. Not like it's not a huge amount, but um, just point that. Yep. And then the next one is Cam Young, Wise, Montgomery, and Davis. This is a tough one. I'm not gonna lie. This one's a little tougher. Aaron, Aaron Wise, he he intrigues me because he's certainly gotten more comfortable with this with the broomstick, right? With the long putter. So if he's gonna be the lowest owned, I have no problem going to him first. Yeah, I've been looking at Can or uh, Wise all week. Um, Montgomery still, I still keep seeing value on him, and it's a lot of it's putting. But if he's going to keep doing it, it's kind of like the old speed. I hate the first speed. Yeah, no, but seriously, you just stick with it. Of just yeah, I mean, if that's his, that's that might just be his game. Um, and it translates so still, well on the PGA Tour. I was thinking about that before I came on. If you're a great putter and can hit the ball at least semi consistently, you've got a spot on the PGA Tour for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So I think I think actually. So with the ownership, it does change things. But I would rate it young Montgomery than wise. Okay. But I think when you throw in the ownership narrative or angle, um, it does it does shift to wise ahead of those two. I think I think wise has almost as much upside as as Montgomery. Yep. And probably similar upside to Cam Young um, for less than half the ownership. So, and who knows? I, it, it could be that people play Cam Young and everyone drifts off of wise and Montgomery, um, and they get even lower. So. Yeah, I, I love, honestly, I, I love having them all priced together. I think you're going to end up getting a good a good one. Okay. Um, all right. Let's, uh, we're coming up on about 36 minutes. If anybody in the audience wants to talk to us or ask us any questions or has any input on the golf course that they'd like to add, go ahead and just request to be a speaker now, and I'll get you in there. Uh, 
But in the meantime, uh, I want to talk about just a couple of people priced from 7400 to 7100 Drew, uh, before we get on out of here, just to balance out the lineups a bit. And first up is Will Gordon. He's a guy that we saw breakthrough at the Travelers Championship a couple of years ago, then went back to the Corn Ferry. Now back in the PGA Tour and has done very well since uh, coming back. In fact, hasn't missed a cut, it looks like. Yeah, hasn't missed a cut all season. T28 last week with a bad Sunday after a good Saturday. Uh, that's the first name. I really like him. Like, I can score. If you can put four yeah. rounds together, um, he'd be great. Uh, so, hit Gordon, Steven Yeager, David Lipsky, and uh, S.E. Kim. Of those four, do any really pop out to you? S.E. Kim or S.H. Kim? Uh, S.H. Kim. I don't know why DraftKings has it as S.E. Oh, just because it's, okay. it's the first two letters. It's definitely S.H. Okay. And that's the other thing, dude. I hate how DraftKings and the PGA Tour have different names for these guys. It really bothers me. Yes. Like, it's K.H. Lee, not Kyung Hong Lee. It's S.H. Kim, not Song Kyung Kim. At least that's what the PGA Tour tells us. Anyways, um, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I have I have several comments for name matching for this. It's still not as bad as basketball where they take periods off and then they add they take the junior off or the third or whatever. It's oh man, oh that's got to be so bad. I don't get into basketball, dude. Which is surprising. You think there would be more thirds? Yeah, no, know? there's not. Right, just Kirk the third. Yeah, Davis um, Love is gone. So thank, I know. thank goodness on that. Um, um so yeah, I, I'm go ahead, right sorry. there with you with Ben Griffin. Um, love him this week. He was one of the ones I tweeted out eighty to one. Yep. Um, as a first click. Um. SH Kim is fine. Um, he's just, I don't think he's going to pop for anybody. He's just, he's almost like a mini Taylor Montgomery. Um, he just somehow is able to score. He's making cuts. And, yep. um, I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed with him. I don't mind going back to him. He's a little bit expensive for me this week, but I still don't hate it. If you're going to ride a guy that's just getting it done. Um, what? I missed something last week. I was switching back and forth between football and golf, and, and there was periods where I was probably off for about a half hour off of golf. So did something happen with Sung Hyun Kim where people like fell in love with the guy last week? Did like some celebration or something? I don't know. I, my mom even texted me about it, so I feel like I missed something. Did you? Did you pick up on anything? I did not. I must have missed it. All right, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to really look this up. I, I meant to ask you before we came on because I, I don't know what happened. But anyways. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I mean, just... he's he's just he's he's averaging almost like a stroke around putting. So it's almost an, I don't know what Montgomery's averaging, um, but yeah, it's just a he's doing other things fine too. It's just a little bit more uh, volatile. But um, yeah, I, I don't mind I don't mind going there, especially on this tournament. Um, Lee Hodges is interesting. Third place last year, uh, coming back. I think it's the first time he's played since the fall swing, I yep. believe. Yep. So I don't mind going there. Um, and then obviously Lipsky had a good show in last week. So he's probably going to be, uh, you know, a bit popular. Davis Thompson's a guy that you and I like, uh, the yeah. talent profile. Do we like him here at this course? The level at this course. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Davis Thompson is a perfect fit. He's very long. Um, he can get the putter going. He can get hot with the putter. So this is a, this is a Davis Thompson style course. So he'll be in a lot of my lineups. It's a good one to name. Awesome. All right, um, before we get on out of here, again, I just want to recap really quickly for all of you that are not FGB members, what we offer. First, I have a PGA DFS customizable model, which has eight different components that you can go and change the weightings of. It is based off of course history, 
recent form, strokes gained, all the different uh, statistical measures that you'd want in there. Then Drew has the FGV mixed model that includes the PGA Spectrum data that breaks it down on a shot level basis. Some really great stuff. Then, of course, if you don't want to go into the stats, you're not a stats guy, we offer our picks article every single Wednesday that gives our entire allocations and our entire player pools for the week. Basically, we can't ever, of course, give away lineups, but we get you pretty darn close to what we're going to have. In fact, there have been a couple of times, especially in the single entry stuff, where I have uh, been having the same lineup as some other of, uh, of the subscribers. And I'm totally fine with that. Uh, and that is 100%. If you could figure out what I'm going to do, that's uh, all for it. That's why I put it there. So um, we're going to do this every Thursday. Uh, I'm sorry, not every Thursday, every week. Sometimes it's going to be just a podcast. Sometimes it's going to be a Twitter space. Sometimes it'll be a live stream. We'd like to change it up here and see what you all like. So uh, until next week, everybody, good luck at the American Express, and we'll see you. True, we got the farmers next week in San Diego, right? Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. So good luck, everybody, this week, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. <laughs>